So Jesse's here. Uh, I thought of this joke after uh, I left Lincoln Center. I thought this is kind of like uh, when musicians, like on a band, like you go to a concert and the, the lesser act opens for the greater act. And so I opened for Jesse, and here he is going to give us some great, great stuff. How's about that? Mike, Mike always has some introductions that are... He always has some introductions. <laughs> Mike clearly has the gift of leadership, and, and, and Mike has been leading the Grundy campus here. Many of you have been part of the Grundy campus for about, for about six years. Is that right, Mike? Six or seven? seven and half. For you to be here as... Five and a half for Mike. So Mike's been leading the Grundy campus, gifted as a leader and, and carrying out that leadership for the church. And that's what I'm going to talk a little about, a little bit about is just, uh, to ask you, um, maybe what is your gift and how are you going to be, um, involved in the church? And really that's what we're talking about here because we're in the midst of this, um, series, kind of a mini series, three weeks on, uh, on, uh, um, living the rich life and what does it mean to live the rich life and it means not only giving of your resources but it also means giving of who you are as well and so um, why don't we just go ahead and and get into things and uh, and we'll go with that so I want to start with a, just a quote from a guy one of my favorite uh, authors of the 20th century this last century his name is Francis Schaeffer great thinker great author and he says this He says, indeed, it is the glory of the Christian faith that the little things are profound and the profound things are overwhelmingly simple. The Christian faith is all about how sometimes the profound things are so simple and somehow the simple things are so profound. And indeed, this is going to be true when we talk about the spiritual gifts. And we're going to see that as we go. But but I hope today that you're blessed by the profound, that you're in awe of the profound. You're in awe of the God who does the gifting. And that you are, you are blessed by the simplicity of how you can be involved and how you can receive the gifts of God and live those out. So I'm going to start by, well, this is how we're going to do this. We're going to lay some groundwork for how we think about the spiritual gifts. Then we're going to look at a specific passage where Paul sort of gives a longer extended teaching on the spiritual gifts. And then we'll wrap things up in the end. I'll wrap up what I have and then Mike's going to be the, the, what do they call that? The fourth batter, the leadoff batter. I'm not a baseball person, so I shouldn't use baseball examples. Um, so when we're talking about spiritual gifts, we're going to lay some foundation here. Ephesians chapter 2 says this, For we are God's handiwork. We are God's handiwork. Think about that. Again, something so simple and so profound. Psalm 139 says, uh, David, in, in, when he's writing this, he says that, uh, God, you knit me together in the womb. What does it mean to be a handiwork? What does it mean to be knit together in the womb? How each one of us is knit together in the womb. God knew us before we even took our first breath. He knit us together in the womb. We are God's handiwork. When I think about handiwork, I think about purpose and intentionality and how God just assembled each one of our bits and pieces into the person that we are today. We are God's handiwork. Foundational for us to understand. Secondly, uh, Romans chapter 8. Throughout the Romans, the 8th chapter of Romans, Paul mentions a few times how the Holy Spirit of God is living inside of you. So not only does God create you, but then God comes and dwells inside of all believers of Jesus, all followers of Christ, lives inside of and lives through each follower of Christ. So God's Spirit is in you. The cool thing about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is a gift from God, but it doesn't just come as a gift. It comes as a gift who gives other gifts. This is the Christmas present that I've always wanted. 
the one that you could open up on Christmas Day and it kept on giving gifts the rest of the year round. This is the Holy Spirit to us. It's a gift that keeps on giving. First Peter chapter 4, we're just again laying some foundational principles about how we think about the spiritual gifts. So you're created by God. The Holy Spirit is dwelling in you. The Holy Spirit brings a gift to you. And we know this from First Peter chapter 4 when he says, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. So, so Peter just sort of assumes right there, everybody's received a gift. Everybody has received a gift. And then uh, it's to serve others. He goes on to say this is to serve others. So Ephesians chapter 4 says that, uh, th- that God did this so that his people could be equipped, so that the body of Christ could be equipped. Ephesians, er, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verse 7 says that this is for the common good. So we're equipped for the common good. It's to serve others. It's not for ourselves. I remember uh, in football in high school when I was playing football, and uh, there was uh, you, you had a couple practices um, early in the year where you didn't have any any uh, equipment yet, and then there was the day when you received your equipment. So you would uh, go, and the whole football team would be standing in a line, and then on the other side you would have all the uh, all the managers and all the uh, coaches, and they would be handing out the equipment to you. So you'd walk down the line, you get shoulder pads and hip pads and knee pads, elbow pads, whatever padding you needed, and you get your helmet. Now, if I took those pads and I got all suited up and then I drove home and I did somersaults in my yard, somebody would say, that guy is crazy. That guy's missed the point. That's not what you use your pads for. That's not what the equipment is for. The equipment is to get in the game with the other players. right? We use our gifts, we use our equipment that we've been given by God to be in the game with the other players, to help make them better, to help serve them, be on the field with them. This is important for us uh, as a church. It's important for us because um, it's important in, in Paul's che- teaching with the early church. So there are three major sections that teach specifically about the gifts in the New Testament. So you, you can go to Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and following. And, uh, and then you can also go to Ephesians chapter 4. You'll find uh, where Paul gives some extended teaching on the spiritual gifts. And we know from this that this is important. This is how God has wired the church to operate. And so we want to be a church that operates according to how God wired the church to operate. We want to be that church. And so we as a church want to help people discover and live out their gifting. It's a great thing. So that's why we spend some time on this. That's why we do. So now what I'm going to do is, is uh, we're going to go to Romans chapter 12. The verses are going to be on the screen. If you brought a Bible, though, I invite you to open it up and, and take a look. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 3. We're going to read about oh, five or six verses there. In this way, we're going to get a sense of uh, how Paul talked about uh, the, the gifts of the Spirit um, and, and what they mean for us and the church. Verse 3 says this, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself in sober judgment, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Isn't it interesting that Paul would open up a conversation about the spiritual gifts by holding up a mirror to the people and saying, look in the mirror and how do you think about yourself? Paul is saying, think about yourself with sober judgment. Sober judgment. 
I know in football, if you look at just the record of the Heisman Trophy, especially in the last few years, it, they almost always go to a quarterback. And so we, we get this sometimes feeling that, well, the quarterback has got to be the most important person on the team. Paul says that's not true on a team, especially in the body of Christ. Think of yourself with sober judgment. A good quarterback, when you hear him in interviews, you know he's going to be talking about his linesman in front of him. He's going to be talking about his running back. And certainly he's got to be talking about the defense. Because if there is no defense, quarterback doesn't even make it to the field. So, so Paul is encouraging us, think of yourself with sober judgment. Everybody on the team has to go through that same process. Sober judgment, we're thinking about ourselves. We're going to keep on going, charging right on through verses uh, 4 and 5. Just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ Jesus we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to the others. You know, in each of the three sections of Scripture that I already talked about where the where the gifts are mentioned, Paul always brings out the metaphor of the body. Something, again, that's simple and yet profound. Because the body is something simple. It's something we all live with every day. We have a body. That's what Paul is saying. You've got a body. You know how this operates. And so is the body of Christ, just like a body. How is it like a body? Well, each one of us forms a part of the body of Christ. Each one of us in this room forms a part of the body of Christ. Every part of the body has a role and yet a different function. And think of yourself with sober judgment. Not one is more or less important than the other. Everybody here plays a part. Sometimes there are duplicates. On a body, there's ten fingers, ten toes on most people. Uh, you have two legs, you have two arms. And so we have uh, uh, multiple parts, but we know this about the body, is that we complete one another, we don't compete with one another. We complete one another, we don't compete with one another as parts of the body. Because all the parts of the body are needed, one part of the body, again, is not excuse me, is not more important than the other. Again, it's simply profound, and yet it's profoundly simple. So Romans chapter 12, we'll keep going in verse 6. Paul says this, We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it diligently. Paul's basically just saying, here are the gifts. And there's two things going on here. Paul is saying, here are the gifts. Here are some of them. You might fit into some of these. Some of these may, you may feel gifted in. And that's great. And so Paul gives a little bit of instruction under each one. We also need to know, though, that this list is not exhaustive. There are other lists throughout Scripture, and so we, today, have the whole the body of Scripture that we can look, and we can find different gifts in different sections. We can know this list right here in Romans is not exhaustive. You may be somewhere else. Your gift may be mentioned somewhere else. And so we just read through Scripture, and we find out, gosh, where? how am I gifted? I hope this makes you curious. I hope you leave today being curious to say, how has God gifted me? But then we also, we just go back and we repeat just kind of what he says. Paul says we have different gifts. If yours is to prophesy, then prophesy. If it's to serve, then serve. If it's teach, then teach. If it's encourage, then encourage. If it's giving to others, then give to others. If it's leading, then lead. If it's showing mercy, 
then show mercy. Paul's basically just saying, do what you've been gifted to do. Do what you've been gifted to do. Use your equipment and get in the game. Again, Francis Schaeffer says this. He says, the real sin of the Christian is not to possess his possessions by faith. The real sin of the Christian, the follower of Christ, is not to possess his possessions by faith. It's to know that we are gifted by Christ. We are gifted by the Holy Spirit. And we do nothing about it. We stand on the sidelines. We wait in the wings. And we just watch things happen. Now, some of you are hearing this message today, and you are already doing some amazing ministry, and you are doing some amazing things. And you just need to hear this. Thank you. Thank you. The body here benefits from what you're doing and how you're living out your gifting. The body benefits from that. We benefit from that. Look around you. We benefit from that. Thank you. Some of you are hearing this message today and thinking, maybe I'm not living out my gifting. Maybe I'm in a wrong area. Maybe I'm not living up to my potential. For some reason, you're hearing this and thinking, I think I could, I think I could do something more. I think maybe I don't know my gifting. And I need to discover that and find out how I can be a part of this team. And that's okay. As a body, as believers, we want to encourage that. We want to help you find that. That's why we offer, I think Mike's going to talk about the, the networking class and the, and the uh, Emerging Journeys class. And some of you today, again, you might not know, you want to get in the game, but you're not quite sure how to do that. I said, that's all right as well. I had somebody come up to me a couple weeks ago and say, you know, I really feel like God is calling me to do this, but I have no idea what I'm doing. I said, that's cool, because I have no idea what you're doing either, and I don't know how to do what you want to do. But let's find out together. And that's okay. We'll, we'll figure this out. We'll, we'll figure this out together. Because if God has laid it on your heart, we, I trust that. I trust that. I want to listen to that, and we'll figure it out together, what that means for our body right here, right now. I know you may not think of uh, of, of uh, the Grundy campus here as in, as in a process of renewal. You, you may or may not think about renewal, um, but I think this quote it kind of speaks to what we're talking about here. So so I brought it and uh, and uh, I just want to share it. One theologian he says this. He says all too often we think about church renewal from a standpoint of scarcity rather than a standpoint of abundance. So when we're thinking about renewal, we think we look around us and we think of what we don't have. We don't have a building here at Grundy Center. We don't have other things. There are other things that we don't have here. We don't have a gymnasium. We don't, we don't have some things here. And these, these are physical things, but maybe we're missing some people as well that, that need to be here. But, but when we start doing this, we look around and we just focus on what we don't have. And when we start focusing entirely on what we don't have, then we stop possessing our possessions by faith. We miss out on what we do have. We start to miss out on what we do have. He goes on to say this, Yet if we really believe that it is not the church per se, but God who has a mission, then why should we not think that God would provide the church with a superabundance? A superabundance. Say superabundance. A superabundance of ways to participate in that mission. If we stop looking at what we don't have and we start focusing on what we do have, and what is God's mission in the world, and then we start to ask ourselves, how can we as a body plug into what God is doing? Mike's talking. Mike, you already talked about the vision of 2020. 
I mean, here's God's vision, right? Mike's, Mike's saying, I feel like this is coming from God. I feel like this is where we're going. There we go. There's God's mission. How are we as a body jumping in on that mission? What is my part in that? How do I fit into that? It's not about what we don't have. It's about what we do have. It's about what God has given to us. There's a couple things I want to go back and look at. Um, one thing really quick. Mike said he led up to it and said I was going to talk about theology, so I think I'll spend a moment and do a little bit of theological-type nerd stuff. Um, so when we go back and we look at this, uh, some of what I'm saying, it sounds like if you would just do something. If you would just do something. And I think some people here think, well, I'm already doing something. Is it just about doing something? And I say, no, it's not just about doing something. There's something deeper here that's going on, and, and that's what we're going to get to right now. Paul says in verse 6, he says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Now, in, in English, we don't catch it, but in Greek, there's a word play going on there. There's a word play in here because the word for grace is charis. The word for uh, gifts is charisma. Charis and charisma from the same family of words, charis and charisma. When we hear grace, we think grace is about, charis is about God's gift in Jesus Christ. Charisma is about God's gift in the Holy Spirit. Charis gives life. Charisma sustains life. Charis restores people. Charisma empowers people and gives them a function and a purpose. So grace gets us on track. Gifts keep us on track and empower us along that track. It's not about us doing stuff. It's about us receiving from God. That's why prayer is so important, as Mike was saying. Because we pray into how God is giving us and feeding us what we need in order to be the body of Christ here and now. There's a simply profound song that declares this truth and it goes like this. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. We receive the light of Christ and it is ours to let it shine. I'm going to take this one step further, though, because um, there's charis and there's charisma, and they're from the same family of words. But then we also look into that same family of words and we see kara. And the meaning of kara is joy. Joy. And it appears throughout the New Testament, uh, but, but perhaps in, in one of my favorite parts is Hebrews 12.2, when it says, for, for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. What joy is there in the cross? Sometimes we're slow to engage because what we're called to is, is maybe a little bit scary and difficult. Sometimes we receive a calling that's just a lot of fun. Mike has a lot of fun with his job. I have a lot of fun with, with what I do. And I, I know some other people who are just having a lot of fun, people with a prayer ministry out of Lincoln Center, they just have a lot of fun with it, and it's very rewarding. Some of us, though, are gifted in a way that some of our giftings and some of our callings aren't always that fun. But this joy is something deeper. It's something bigger than that. And so sometimes we're slow to engage because, because of that. We're not quite sure if I'm ready to take that next step. But the whole part of this even Jesus, even Jesus, before he goes to the cross, in the garden the night before, he says, uh, God, if you could, would you take this cup from me? Even Jesus kind of wondered, God, if you could take this cup from me, I'm not sure I can handle it. 
And he says, yet not my will, but your will be done, God. Jesus made himself completely available. Jesus received from God. He trusted God. And he made himself completely available. So I'm going to close with this. When I was in high school and college, and then I worked for college right after, right after college for four years. So I spent 12 years um, in that academia. And, uh, and during that time, uh, as many of you maybe know, college is always a time to, to get highly involved. High school is a time you can be involved in all kinds of things because you have very little responsibility. <laughs> and so you can just be involved in all sorts of things. And I tried to do as much as I could. I always had this trilogy of, of, uh, of arts, academics, and athletics. I tried to be involved in as much as I could with, with a lot of those. And and, um, and what I realized after some time is that I would be spending time with this group of people in, in the same day, and then I would go and spend time with a group of very different people. You go from the drama club to the soccer field, and then, and then I would get home at night, and sometimes I would just sit back and wonder to myself, what am I about? I'm with all these different people all day long, but I would get home at the end of the day, and I would say, but what am I about? Who am I? Who am I in this? I think there are times like this uh, I think I think the world today is sort of we have the opportunity to learn about so many other people and be involved in so many other people's lives. Facebook, um, and, and I'm not condemning Facebook. I'm just saying there are opportunities to be involved in so many other people's lives. We have a magazine called People Magazine where you can just spend all day reading about other people's lives. We can be involved in so many other people's lives that sometimes we lose a sense of who we are. And I know when I'm there, I can be plagued by jealousy, by anxiety, and by insecurity. And I know back when I was in that 12-year span of being involved in so many different things and looking into so many different things and thinking, who am I in all of this? I came up with this little phrase. Again, it's simple and somewhat profound. I wouldn't claim to have said anything very much profound. But, um, but it goes like this. It goes, you be you. And there were times when I just had to tell myself, you be you. There are times still today I have to tell myself, you be you. Psychology journals right now are going uh, gangbusters with with, uh, research on being authentic. How do we be authentic to who we are? Who am I and how do I do that? And, And I would say we need to be authentic to who we are, both individually and as a body of Christ. So I leave you with this. As a child of God... Be authentically gifted and created. You have been created by God, redeemed by Jesus, and gifted by the Holy Spirit. As a church, we want to help people discover this and live this out, which is why we offer some different things in order to do that. So as as a child of God, be authentically created and be authentically gifted. Be who you are. As a body of Christ, as a corporate body of Christ, Let's be who we are today. Let's not worry about who used to be here. Let's not worry about what we're not and what we don't have. Let's worry about what we can receive from God right now. How we can, how can we join in His mission right now with what we have? And as a follower of Christ, be authentically joyful. You say, well, how do you do that? I say, I'm not totally sure. <laughs> but I, I look at Jesus' example when He was in the garden. I look at Jesus' example, and I think it has something to do with knowing yourself as being created and having a purpose, being called to something. Maybe it's wonderful. Maybe sometimes it's difficult, like going to the cross. But Jesus also knew, not only himself, but he knew that God had a mission. He had a purpose for him. 
God had plans. Jesus trusted in those plans. And even though it was painful and difficult, he trusted God and he went through with, with those plans. And somehow in that place, somehow in there, there is a deep sense of joy, of eternal and lasting joy. So if you pray with me. God, you've gifted each one of us just to be unique. Help us, though, to be authentic. We understand that we can be unique. We understand that you've gifted us just by what your word says. You've gifted us. But God, we need your Holy Spirit to help us be authentic to who we are, be authentic to what your mission is in the world, and be authentic to how we can join in that mission. So God, we just thank you for these realities. I thank you for my brothers and sisters here who are living that out every day. And I pray for those who are looking for ways to do it a little bit better. So God, we just pray thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.